Hello to you and welcome to Mastering Success, hosted by yours truly, Brett D. Scott. Mastering Success is a platform for successful individuals to share their journey, inspire, and give hope to us all. Speaking about hope, if you're interested in reading my triple best-selling book, I Fly, a collaborative anthology of 20 authors sharing their stories of triumph through some very trying adversity, you'll find the link on this page or check Amazon to order. Without further ado, let us turn on the mic, turn up the speakers and listen to this next episode with anticipated excitement. Good morning. Good afternoon, good evening, because we have uh, plenty of people watching from different places, which is uh, which is awesome. And, uh, you know, we met uh, on the Gold Coast uh, receiving some awards, which was uh, which was awesome. And uh, you you grabbed me and said, hey, we need to get a photo. Yeah, and it was a couple of cocktails in, mind you. So, yeah, I did grab you. <laughs> um, I might have had uh, I might have had a drink or two as well. I'm not sure. Can't remember. <laughs> but it was uh, it was a good fun. It was a really good. Um, it was daytime as well. It wasn't even uh, evening. Oh, but uh, it was it was good, and it was great to meet you. And um, and we did. We were probably there best dressed, you know, with our blues, yeah. looking good. So uh, and we got in the newspaper as well, which I loved. Uh, so. You know, what I really want to talk about, and I've popped in the heading that uh, you're a TEDx nurse. People mm. might go, oh, what does that mean? What is that? Yeah. <laughs> what, is a, what is a TEDx nurse? Um, and, look, I'm sure there's going to be lots of people watching this later on um, if they're not watching it live. Uh, excited to hear a bit more about and not to hear the negative stuff, you know, because obviously there's enough of that going around, you know, and mm. that you're dealing with every single day yeah. um, with COVID and, and everything else. But what I wanted to talk about is your journey towards where you are today. And mm. the show is called Mastering Success. And of course, you know, you never fully master it, do you? So what I was going to say when I read that, I thought mastering success, am I, am I successful? I don't know if I am. Like I, you know, I don't see, I think when you're in it, you don't see it, do you? You don't, when you're striving for whether it's goals or whatever you're doing, um, you're just on a bit of a, uh, the, the term journey, you know. Um, yeah, it's a crazy ride. Like I, yeah, I'm sure you've got some questions so far away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I, I think it's a great, it's a great place to start. And I, in fact, you're the first person that has really thought about that for themselves, you know. <laughs> Not to say everyone's on uh, ego trips where they're, oh, yeah, this is what I've done. But what I mean is <clears throat> when people are really driven, when people are really focused on doing their best and yeah. when people are living their purpose, which is what I see you doing, which is why, uh, you know, I'm so happy to connect you with as many people as I can because when we're living our purpose, purpose to me means that you're actually doing things for others. You're actually helping the greater good. I heard something yesterday which was, um, you know, every person should be focused on uh, leaving leaving the planet and leaving people uh, better than they better than they found them. And I thought, yeah, that's a great way to live, yeah. leaving people and the planet better than you found it. And I think that's what you're doing. So, no, no, um, you're very welcome. And I'm excited that you're here. And what I want to find out from you to start with is, how did like have you always been a nurse, or how did how did the journey start there? Um, no, oh well, have I? Yeah, actually, in my career, in my career life, I have always been a nurse. Um, I was 
not the greatest student. So I wasn't an academic by any means. So when it came to um, the end of school, like I knew as a child, I was always into helping people. I was always bandaging up the cat or, you know, I was that friend in the schoolyard that was always consoling that person that had tripped over or I was just that nurturing. Naturally, I was that nurturing kind of a, a person. Um, sorry, I've got all these little thing like notifications uh, flipping up. <laughs> Happens to me as well. <laughs> I get distracted. Um, so I was naturally that kind of a person. So I knew in school that, uh, you know, when they guidance counsellors are like, hey, what are you going to do when you grow up? That dreaded question, right, when you're in high school. Because I didn't know. Who, who you know, when you're 16 or 17 knows what the rest of your life? And these are really, that's a tough question. So I come out of school under that pressure of I've got a, my mum and dad, there was no, I'm from a migrant background, right? So mum and dad are from Greece. They migrated to Australia. I'm first generation born here. So there was that real pressure that you have to be better than what we had. We didn't get, have an education. So you're going to get out there and be educated. You're not going to come away and, um, you know, do any kind of job. You have, you will go to university and it will be something, whether it's a doctor or a lawyer, right? The two choices, (laughs) doctor or lawyer, but you'll be something. So there was that underlying pressure of I've got to be something, otherwise I'm going to be the biggest failure to my parents, you know. Uh, Come out of high school just scraping in. If you needed 60 as a mark to get into university, I got like 58. Like I missed by maybe two marks to get in, right? And so, but I was really hopeful because with all these guidance counsellors, I knew I was into helping people, so I knew that's kind of the direction I was going to take. How did I get into nursing was purely that is I applied to do physio. I knew I wasn't going to get into medicine. I had to be something. I wasn't going to be a lawyer. Um, And just, you know, didn't even get into nursing, did not get into nursing. So I get all all the knockbacks. From the university, I remember sitting there going, I'm the biggest failure. I've failed my parents. Um, and it's funny because I was in the shower getting ready this morning. I know this isn't going to take a downturn, but a um, bit of R&B music, a bit of hip-hop in the background, and that song, um, Dust Yourself Off and Try Again, you know, that's that's me. Like I've, <laughs> you, you kind of go, well, okay, I've taken that knock. What do I do next? And one of my teachers, so this is a bit of a long story, everyone, but one of my teachers was like, Helen, you know, have you thought of writing a letter to the university and um, asking them to review it? And I was like, no, why would I do that? I've been told no and that's that. And she goes, no, no, there's a process. You can actually write a letter. And it wasn't that I was begging, but I was essentially begging. Yeah, you know, can you please review this? And um, a couple of months later they sent me, someone had actually uh, not gone on to do that. There was a space basically that came up in in the nursing school and they said, look, we'll give you a go you'll come into the nursing school um, as long as you pass the next couple of semesters, that's your way into um, the nursing course. So, you know, very long-winded, um, but from the get-go, from the get-go, um, struggled to even get into nursing. But I think when you know um, you're into helping people and if that's all I could get into, I was so disappointed in myself. So I started off feeling disappointed that even, even nursing, which for me it wasn't a doctor, because that's how society sees it, I was still a failure. Like I was going into something already on the back foot. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, I'm sure. Look, right? And I know we're not talking negatives, but you need the negatives to thrive on that because you have knockbacks along the way and you can either sit there and be the victim and take that or you can just pick it up and go, well, how else can I achieve it? What else can I do? 
It doesn't have it's, to be right. So uh, it's it's so very true, you know. And I, I, when you were when you were explaining that the knockdown the knockbacks. I was thinking uh, last night I finished watching a movie with uh, Jack Canfield. It was the story of his life um, or the business at least. And uh, and he was talking about um, the amount of knockbacks they got for Chicken Soup for the Soul. And, yeah. you know, but they were very steadfast in what they actually wanted and that's why they <laughs> that's why they got knocked back so much, right? And But eventually they found the, the publisher and they found the person that would back them. And uh, that went on to be, you know, I think they said they've sold half a 500 billion, 500 billion or something. I'm getting goosebumps, not at the 500 billion, but at the, um, going back to what you were saying before is, um, what were you saying before? Sorry, I've already gone through it. There's a cave. (laughs) By the way. I'll sleep. (laughs) Yeah, I was just about to say, um, everyone who's watching, just be aware that Helen is uh, sleep deprived, so uh, her mind may not be as quick, um, but I'm sure we're going to get some great stuff. But, yeah, thanks for understanding. Um, Where were we going when you were saying with your group that um, you you mentioned something before this show started? Um, That we're going deep? That we're going deep. No, I've lost it. It'll come back. Oh, no. (laughs) I, I suppose with the knockbacks, you keep going. Uh, if you're if you're true to yourself and true to what you are doing in life, everything just falls into place. If if you're doing it for the genuine reasons that does that make sense? Like I, yeah. I didn't go. I didn't wake up and go. You know what? I'm going to go and do a TEDx and I'm going to win some awards and I'm going to do this. It was I'm going to go out and help people and this is what I'm doing and everything else along the way has just fallen into place. Like I haven't gone reaching for media. I haven't gone reaching for anything. I've just been true to what I've, my goal and what I've been doing and everything else has come to me. Like I haven't had to, um, it's so bizarre because people say to me, oh, Helen, I want to be just like you. And I was like, mm, it's not hard to be just like me. Just go out there and be true to yourself. And, and but they're like, but you do this and that and you get invited to this. And I said, yeah, but they're just after effects. I didn't, I didn't wake up for to wake up today and go, hey, I want to be on Brett's show <laughs> because you know, I don't, you know, do you know what I mean? Like, um, yeah, do you know, I think the the one thing that I've seen from you in the very short space with short space of time that we've known each other is you're very quick to take an opportunity. You know, it reminds me of um, this book, Think and Grow Rich, by Napoleon Hill. Um, he explains that the only thing like literally the only thing that all of the 500 of the most successful people that he interviewed over that 20, 25 years, the only thing they agreed upon is they made very quick decisions and they changed their mind slowly, if at all. And why that is significant for you in what I see is that you make very quick decisions. Like as an example, might seem uh, insignificant, but it's not. When we're at that awards event, you were sitting down and you, you grabbed my arm and said, hey, I'd really love to have a chat to you. You know, and I said, oh, okay. So I sat down and then you said, hey, how about we get a photo together? You know, so you just, you're very good at making quick decisions and seizing an opportunity, right? And that's the difference, right? That's why some people aren't able to achieve what they would love to achieve because they're too busy thinking about it. Yes, I see that a lot. People, I, I anyway, I'm, it's, it's a side note, but I'm in the middle of an election at the moment for this uh, nursing union. But anyway, cut a long story short is is I'll say to people, get out there and, and put your message up there, whether it's social media, whether it's having conversations. And um, 
And three days later, people are still like, yeah, I'm, I'm getting that post together or I'm getting that story together. I'm like, really? Like it took me two minutes while I was standing in an elevator, just get it out there, <laughs> you know, just, just act on it. But, but I, I, I was speaking at a conference yesterday um, or the day before, I think it was, it was a virtual conference, but some amazing uh, to be a guest uh, at this particular conference. And there was some amazing um, speakers there, like really high profile and, I'm, and then me. And I'm like, what am I doing here? Uh, what's the point of me telling you that is in that conference I was saying to um, in these little rooms that they put us in, one of my messages was seize the moment. Um, I've been standing in the elevator when you're having a, con- you're like, hey, how are you going? Oh, where are you from? Australia. I'm in New York City. Next minute, you seem really lovely. I'm organising a side event to whatever at this UN Commission on the Status of Women event. Come along. Next minute, I'm the only Caucasian person in this African awards like it's lunchtime, I'm in corporate gear and there's these beautiful African women in the, these evening ball gowns receiving these awards and I'm sitting with royalty, right? I'm sitting with the queen and the princess of um, Delta State and they had a food taster there. It was insane and I'm sitting there going, I'm sitting with royalty. Why? Because I just smiled at someone in the elevator and I had a bit of a chat and and there you go, you know. Um, and on that note, um, and it's one of the stories that I tell is, I was sitting, I was given a, there was two passes in this organisation to go to the UN Commission on the Status of Women in New York City. And I'm sitting at breakfast mortified because on my phone I'm reading on Facebook, there's some, oh, Helen, if someone's tagged me, Helen, you're on the front page of the NT News up in Darwin. And it read, it was a photo of me with a stethoscope on, it said NT Nurse to go and speak on the world stage for health issues. And I was like... (gasps) I never said I was getting up to speak or to talk. I just said I wanted to, you know, why did the media twist this story? I'm going to be a liar. I'm going to go back to Australia a failure because I haven't actually gotten that. And this is me at breakfast having a, not a meltdown, but a real disappointed, oh, why, how did the media get it wrong? A lady at the next table hears this conversation and she says, oh, because they're all delegates, right? You're at the UN, like there's just thousands upon thousands of people that are there for this one event. And this woman says, you know, Helen, I'm organising a a panel of speakers this afternoon at a side event at this UN Commission. Um, Why don't I slot you in? You you won't be advertised. You're not in the pamphlet. But um, there's four speakers. I'll pop you on the end. You've got uh, two minutes on stage. And I went, what? Like my heart. She goes, I'll make an honest woman of you. And I thought, and for a split second, what was my worst nightmare is getting up in front of hundreds of people. I'm like, well, what would I say? What am I, like I was having this little, and there's photos of me because I went, yeah, okay, worst nightmare, but I just overcame that fear. You've got to take those opportunities. So there I am, not even half an hour later, on the back of a receipt, you can see this photographs of me, this journalist sent them to me on the back of a hotel receipt writing out what I'm going to write, say when I get up on stage. Because that two minutes, which ended up being five, as you can tell, I like to talk. Um, you know, I'm up on stage and there's that photo of me at this side event at the UN. So now I'm an international speaker, right? So technically I've gotten up and I've had words. We're talking about sustainable development goals. Um, I turned to the girl next to me on the panel and I'm like, you're really young, so, like, what do you do? And she says, I work for Google and for Apple. I invented the emoji. I designed them. Like, that's my job. I, I, you know, she's this incredible woman. And I'm like, like, I'm sitting next to really awesome people on this panel. 
getting this once in a lifetime. And I, my mum kicks me all the time. She goes, Helen, not physically, but she's like, Helen, that's your line is it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. You know, mum, I'm off to Iraq to volunteer. Oh, Helen, it's your 40th birthday. Can't you just be normal and have a party and stay at home? No, I'm off to Iraq to volunteer, mum. It's my 40th. Um, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. And she goes, oh, if I have to hear that word one more time, <laughs> that saying, the last 20 years you've been saying it, once in a lifetime opportunity. I'm off to climb out Jaro. I'm off to trek Everest Space Camp, you know. <laughs> have you done those? Yeah, 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 just as yeah. a uh, bit of fun on the side, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Kilimanjaro is on my list. Um, don't know if I want to go into the cold of Everest. That's certainly, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll think about that one, like some of those other people who don't take the opportunities. But, you know, I love what you said there, and I think um, everyone is who's watching, I'm looking down at my phone, uh, everyone's appreciating uh, what you're sharing. And I think that's the point. I love that you said um, it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity because if we look at life that way and if we actually say, you know what, this might be the only time that I get to do yeah. this. So I need to take the opportunity. And it might be terrible. It might be great. I don't know, but I have to give it a go. You know, yeah. and I think <clears throat> what you said there about the, you know, about that lady saying, I'll make an honest woman out of you, and you making that decision, you know, during that, you know, what some people call a terror barrier or yeah, it is. a wall it of is. fear. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure you felt sick to your stomach thinking, how, how the hell am I going to do this? But but it does. It You know, those are the moments where we grow. Those are the moments where we then get to have another opportunity, another once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. So let's go back a little bit because I know you're sharing some of the, the, the juicy stuff with what's happening in more recent times. How did it sort of start for you as, as a nurse? Did you, did you work in a local hospital? Are you, are you from the NT? Is that... Yeah, so I grew up on an island. For those of you that are from Australia, let alone the people that aren't, you're definitely not going to probably know where this is. But in Australia, in the Northern Territory, there's a small little island. It often gets missed when the weather comes on in the news, uh, and it's called Groot Island. So, uh, yeah, a very remote area, and I grew up there uh, until I was about 14. So then went to Darwin, um, struggled well, not struggled, I was a good student, just not academic uh, to get into uni. So, yeah, I think I skimmed over that little. I just went from there because <laughs> I hey, got a bit excited. But, um, that, so yeah. i gotta, I got to say to you, that, that island, I've never heard of it. I've been to Darwin. Yeah. I've heard of, I've heard of uh, I'm just trying to think, my mum's here. She's, she's lived in Darwin, <laughs> so she'd know, she probably knows the island you're mentioning. But yeah. what I was going to ask you was, because, yeah, it is something I've never heard of, um, how did your parents end up there? I know, right? So um, Dad had come over um, on the ships back then in the 60s when all the Greek, the migrants, the Greeks and the Italians came across, and I think it was at some camp, um, the migrant camps down in um, Melbourne, I think, or Sydney, where all the, you know, newly arrived Migrants came across and there was a barbecue and someone said, oh, do you know how to um, plant operate, you know, bulldozers and stuff? And this guy said there's a mine opening up, uh, they're mining manganese. It's a remote area, but really for them, for them it was really good money and Dad was like, I'm here to, to cash in. I've got a woman I've left behind that I need to go and make some money and go and collect, you know. Um, I think the plan was for four years or six years to cash up and then go back to Greece. And I think he was like, nah, it's awesome here. I love Australia. Um, so, yeah, that's how oh, he that's incredible. 
Island. So really, really unusual story to be from a non-English speaking background, um, to be living remotely. I identify, identify, I am very close, I think, with Indigenous um, people and I get very passionate about Aboriginal health for that reason because I think I've lived in those areas and I know um, firsthand. And as a student nurse, I even got a chance to go back to group as a student in my third year. Um, but you have these, you know, you might nursing. So I suppose, yeah, since I've been 17 or 18, I was 17 and nine months when I got into that course. So not quite 18 with my nursing first semester of uni and an accident happens on the basketball court. So I used to skip class and head down to the basketball court, which was attached to the university. Um, there was a pub there, right? <laughs> the, the uni bar. So, you know, you can tell I wasn't very academic. I was passionate about what I did, but not the greatest at writing essays. And um, an accident happened on the basketball court and everyone came rushing over to us because we were a group of student nurses. And we're like, well, mate, we haven't even been taught how to check a pulse yet. Like, you've come running to us. So we put that to the lecture and she said, I suggest you go and do a first aid course. So we went off to do that. Now it was $180 or something for this course. They turned around and said, listen, um, if you want to join as a volunteer, we'll waiver that $180 and you can come to these meetings once a week, you know, on a Monday. And we all went, hey, let's join, do two classes and then never go back. So we get to waiver the first aid course. Um, And then the lesson came along and these firemen came in with this crumpled up car and they taught us how to extricate a patient from a, you know, from a car accident and how to stabilise them. And we're like, this is amazing. So um, we ended up becoming paramedics as well as student student paramedics. Um, And that's how I kind of evolved. Like that's how it evolved. It was really, um, yeah, coupled together. So when I was uh, on my school holidays with uni from study, I was doing my exams and, volunteering. So my whole first 10 years of my career was just a lot of volunteer work. While everyone I was out partying, I was volunteering in a truck, in an ambulance, uh, cruising the streets, you know, looking after Darwin basically. So, yeah. Wow, that's, in, that's that's incredible. And I love that uh, that you've got that uh, rich history, you know, not only were you, um, I'm getting getting notifications as well, not only did you, <laughs> not only did you, um, come from a uh, an immigrant background but you you know you also got to grow up with the native indigenous of Australia which I think is um which I think is awesome and you know it it gives you a greater understanding and a greater humility for humanity because you know there are there are a lot of issues that we probably <laughs> we probably won't get into in regards to um you know what happens with indigenous and, and Australia and the way that's that, a whole other you know, yeah, yeah, it's a whole nother discussion. Yeah. But um, but the beautiful thing that I that I heard there, you know, what, what I was thinking when you said, you know, I wasn't really academic, um, there's quite a lot of people in history who have gone on to do just incredible things, you know, and amazing thought leaders, change makers, and they have very little education, you know. But it's, you know, and this is why there's such a big debate at the moment. Um, to give an example, Vishen Lakhani from Mind Valley. He's uh, got a bet, I think, with uh, is it Harvard or, or Yale or one of those universities that he can he can create a better program for to teach people how to live and how to and give them a better experience than what Harvard or Yale can do. 
And uh, there's a bet over the next, I think it's five years or 10 years. And the point that the point is though that, you know, it's not to say schooling is not important because there's a place for it. And I think it is important, but it's that you can learn so much more by living, by actually experiencing, by actually doing the work and learning, you know, as they say, as I did when I was younger, learning on the job, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, and there I, I probably. In nursing, you know, um, but you can take that to, sorry, I'll, I'll cut you off. But no, I, go for it. Go for it. You have a child and you you can show them a book of the world. You can I can show a book of Greece or a map or whatever else. Oh, did you just get given coffee? Because I was like, am I allowed to have a sip? I'm not sure. I was staring at it. Is this like allowed? Um, take them to the country. Take them. You can sit down in a classroom and learn a language, but if you immerse a child, you know, take them to a country for three months and they'll pick that language up, you know, um, and, and it's all the the cultural stuff that goes along with it. Um, I think I veered off. Oh, nursing. There's a big topic when I first came out Um it was all about university versus um, hospital-based nursing and the hospital-based nurses were like, oh, you guys are coming out, you can write essays, but you can't make a bed and you can't shower someone, you don't have skills. And so there's a, you know, that that discussion exists even in my career. So Do you know, well, I'm about to hit you with something that is actually right along that line. Yeah, yeah. Which is my mum was, uh, she was going to be a nurse mm. when she was younger um, yeah. And she practically, like all the practical hands-on stuff, she was incredible, like really, really good. Um, but when it came to exams, she would freeze and she couldn't do the exams. And so she couldn't continue being a nurse because she and couldn't how, What a waste. What a waste yeah. of that, you know, because, and this is what I say to a lot of people because they really get students, I speak to a lot of nursing students and they get fixated on the marks and I need to have the best marks. I need to, and I sit there going, and that's my TED talk even, is I wasn't that great at school. You know, if you can, and 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 that TED talk, you know, I talk about humanity. I talk about, you know, if you can, if someone's hungry, you feed them. Like if you're in a hospital, and I'm sure your mum's like this, you know, if you can console someone or if you can put your arm around them or wrap them in a blanket if they're cold or, you know, all that, um, the basic stuff, the human stuff, you can nurse. You know, you can. Um, yeah, I just, uh, that's a shame. It's a shame that that, um, I think yeah. a lot of people missed out on, on a career that probably would really suit them versus those that come out that can write brilliant essays but they can't even have a conversation with the patient or the family, you know, and that's where we're, we're losing touch, I think. So, yeah. Oh, I totally agree with you. And, and I'm sure uh, anyone in any country could agree with you as well that there are some nurses you just think, God, this, this person, <laughs> yeah, this person doesn't even care. Like they're just, <laughs> you know, they have, um, you know, they don't have that same empathy, you know, that same ability to connect with people. And yeah. I think that is probably the most important part, right? People are scared. People are worried, um, not just the actual patient, but the families, you know, that, you know, that's why I think, um, I don't know about you, but I certainly know myself when I experience um, here or you watch a doctor that really has that beautiful way of caring but knows that they have to deliver some pretty tough news, you know, you think, wow, that's that's beautiful that you can see someone with that ability, whereas, you know, I don't think everyone has that skill. No. So what did your mum end up doing, can I ask, or...? 
Oh, of course you can ask. <laughs> she um, <laughs> she uh, she went on to do a lot of things. Actually, she was a Jillaroo, uh, wow. in a like an outback, um, yeah, an outback area. Yeah, she's so done. You know what that means, but someone from overseas wouldn't understand. Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, so <laughs> in in Australia, Jillaroo is not as common as a Jackaroo. A Jackaroo yeah. is like a uh, if we're in America, it's like a cowboy that um, basically keeps all the cattle and the and sheep or whatever animals, you, livestock that you've got, um, basically herds them along. And, and with uh, with cattle, they would take them from one paddock, which would be, I don't know how many millions of kilometres away, you know, to go and take them over to another paddock and she would fly the helicopter. And she she's learnt, she's very good at hands-on and she probably passed that on to me as well. <laughs> Wendy's saying she's watching. She's saying lots <laughs> of things, mustering. Um, yeah. Yeah, so no, Wendy Wendy definitely did some great things um, along the way, but she was disappointed that she wasn't able to be a nurse because she did love it and she was good at it. Um, well, I, yeah. I, I um, and here I am cutting you off again, I <laughs> remember my story. I said how, you know, I had to pass the first couple of semesters and they pulled me into the office and they said, Helen, uh, you need to quit. You need to actually, you're not going to make it as a nurse or a paramedic. And for me, that was really hard because I've already had the knockback and I had to fight to even get in. And then two months or two semesters in or whatever, there's this lecturer saying to me, you clearly cannot write essays, Helen. Like, and and it's not, I can write an essay, right? I can tell you a story, but it wasn't an academic essay where you're critically analysing, you know, uh, for a literature review or something, really left field because no one teaches you that in high school. And I was being told, you know, you need to quit. You're not going to make it as a nurse or a paramedic because I can't write these essays. Um, and that was a point, a really important point, like you said, how I, you know, you dust yourself off. I, I actually, that moment standing in that office, I was devastated and I was like, well, do I listen to this person who actually really, you know, I um, really respect her or do I not defy that, but do I keep going with that goal that I was wanting to achieve? Because I couldn't, I did not know how I was going to go home to mum and dad now after finally getting into uni and have told the entire world, you know, very proud migrant parents that, you know, (laughs) my daughter's in uni, to now tell them um, I can't go on, I've been told to quit because I'm not good enough. Um, That was huge. And obviously you guys know the answer to that is that I kept going. Um, And, you know, past conceders, I invented those. They're those pity passes. They're not even a proper pass mark. It's like, you know, it was 47 out of 100. Like she was nearly at the 50% mark. So let's just give her that, you know, it's a real, and that's how I scraped through. Like I was not not the greatest. Um, But interesting how a year on after I graduated, um, and I don't know how much time we've got and I don't want to waste, like, you know. No, no, we've, we've got. A year after this is good. I've graduated, scraping in on these on these past conceders, and that's why I say to the kids now, don't, the student nurses, don't um, be fixated on your marks. It doesn't mean anything. So I'm driving into town on the way um, into the city. Uh, your mum would know Bagot Road going into Darwin City Friday night. I'm the sober driver making sure friends are okay. Um, got my little black dress on and we see an accident happen up ahead and sure enough there's a fire, fire truck and, you know, some ladies tried to cross a road, a very busy road, and she was hit by two cars, right? We're not going to talk about anything negative, but um, we're keeping it all positive. 
in amongst all that, I've got firemen going, oh, Helen, because now I'm a year in, right, into my career. I'm a paramedic and a nurse. I've graduated. I'm out there. So they all knew me and they're like, Helen, thank God you're here. I got in there stabilising this woman, doing everything we could to try and save her. And um, as I pass out this saline um, that I had in my hand to a bystander, I look up. And it was that lecturer that had said to me, you know, Helen, you should quit because you're not going to make it as a nurse or a paramedic. And for me, that was, didn't realise it at that moment. Um, she was actually, it, she was actually the driver of the car that hit that woman crossing the road. So um, I didn't realise it at the time, but it hit me about two weeks later when I digested it. And I went, wow, that was my real, that was my moment. That was my validation or my, um, yeah, that very person that said, you're not going to make it, um, ended up needing my help. But then she also saw me in action out on the side of the road, um, stabilising this woman. And yeah, like to the, and today, I just still sit there going, wow. <laughs> you know, it, it, it reminds me of Robbie Williams, which it, this is going to sound like it's nothing like you, but Robbie Williams, um, he created, he sang this song off the cuff, which is not a recorded um, song on any of his records, but he recorded this song that he just sang off the cuff um, on one of our Australian TV shows, um, which was on Foxtel. And he basically said, his music teacher said, you, like he he said, you will never, ever, ever make it as a singer. Like you have the worst voice. Don't even think about doing it. You know, and he says, like, you know, up you, you know, look at me now. You know, I'm the number one exactly. singer in the world. Well, I was going to say that was my FU moment, you know, like that up you stuff you, you know. Like, <laughs> it's true, though. I, I, um, yeah. And then she ended up writing a letter to the hospital saying, you know, what an amazing job that I'd done and everything. Um, and that's, you know, you look back, though, as you grow, as a person, right, because it's not just a career thing, it's a person thing. Um, as you get older and mature and you look back, you just think, wow, because at the time you still, I'm still thinking I'm not that good enough or I'm not. And I know there's, you know, you go turn around, I think that's what drives you though, is if you if you get that cocky that like I'm awesome and I'm, I'm and, and I'm not talking about the I'm enough, that's another thing when we're talking about I'm enough as a person. If you lose that drive and lose that, if you think, yeah, I've, I've made it now, like I think that's where you, um, it all stops for you because of forever, the, that finish line is just forever moving forward <laughs> as, I, as I achieve certain things and I'm like, wow, and I still feel like I haven't done stuff. Like I feel like I've, this is just the beginning. It's like a crazy, you know, yeah. Do you know, um, there's a, the, the person who... <laughs> I don't know why I'm t- bringing this up for, for you because for, it's not mindset, but the person who was Napoleon Hill's first um, or the person who actually got him to do spend 25 years of his life um, basically creating a new modern philosophy for life, um, Andrew Carnegie, he, um, I didn't realise until last night that he actually was such an advocate for peace. He was a real advocate for peace and uh you know, and he was really heartbroken when World War One, which was just called the the Great War, when mm-hmm. it happened, um, he was devastated because he'd created this um, this panel of of people all around the world, a bit like a UN, I suppose, where they um, 
all got together and they were discussing ways to ensure that that peace was kept in all the countries and it didn't work and one of the obviously something happened someone got killed and then it caused you know caused the uh, the first world war and the reason I'm bringing it up is that he was similar in its way where he he had earned you know at that time multi-million but in today's money it'd be multi-billion and yeah. but he'd earned all this money and and he was really mindful that he you know he had such a big mission you know he knew he had such a big mission and yeah. it's the same for you it's the same for me is that we don't feel like we're doing enough <laughs> we you know, like oh you know money just scratching the surface yeah you know and and you can look at that in two ways you can look at it as in you know, you should know that you're doing some great stuff. Well, yeah, I do. But when you have got a big mission and when you are striving to actually help more people, you know, on a big scale, you, you're you constantly looking for ways to expand and grow and enhance yourself. But then how do I do that for others? Yeah. Has that been a similar thing for you? Absolutely. And I think, um, I think I'm seeing that now with nursing students um, and, and Wendy can probably identify, I suppose, when it doesn't matter even if you're Jibaru or when you're when you're doing the work that you're doing and you get younger people coming through, you naturally, I find I naturally um, want to make their journey um, easier than it was for me because when I've had those roadblocks or I've found it really hard or I've left in tears or I've struggled with something, I'm like, well, you know, if I if I had if I had known that I just needed this pen, you know, and so the next person that comes along, I'm like, guys, that five years that I tormented myself and I struggled, bypass that. You just need a pen, right? Like you give them the secret, you hand over the baton and go, here you go, because um, you want those other people to have it that much easier. Um, imagine what they can achieve, you know. Um, and, and if for me, if me getting up on a stage and talking, because suddenly, right, those the, the people that are watching. Like, okay, yeah, she's a nurse. Um, suddenly I've, you know, I've gone off because I didn't quit, right? I didn't quit my nursing. Um, suddenly I'm out in Aboriginal communities, remote, remote areas, one nurse postings on my own. I don't even have a doctor around, right? Um, I'm then off volunteering. Um, I've ended up in Nepal after the earthquake, Philippines, Typhoon, Haiyan. I've ducked off to Iraq for my birthday. Um, the refugee crisis. And for me that in 2015, uh, I spent a lot of months in the refugee crisis and suddenly had a following, like the media kind of cottoned on that this lonely little nurse is trying to gather up some money because she's getting some medical supplies to head over. Um, and it sparked a bit of interest. And then while I was there, they followed on. And so suddenly this media thing started increasing. So I've come back to, Helen, can you come to our organisation and tell us about your experience? And then it just every weekend was like suddenly that's how it was. It was can you come and talk to us and we want to know how did you get into this? Then it's like can you come and speak this conference with several hundred people and can you get up on stage and tell us your story? And I'm like, well, but it's just really? Like you want me to come all the way up there and, and get up on stage and what for? Like it's because when you're living it, you don't see that it's something extraordinary. You just go, yeah, I'm just doing this thing, you know, <laughs> whatever it is. I'm just doing what I do. I don't. I don't see that I'm doing anything extraordinary. Um, do you know? Do you know that's yeah. that's why that's why it's so extraordinary is because you're not getting caught up in the ego. 
You're not doing it because you want to get on stages. You're not doing it because you want people to, hey, look at me. Not that at all. You know, especially in especially in your industry. You know, it's uh, it's it's you know, I have an ability. To look at it and pay, yeah, yeah. like if you were to Google my name, you'll see me everywhere and people like people come up and go, oh, but you can Google her at work. It's so cute because I've got these colleagues that are like with patients going, you know, the nurse looking after, you can Google her. And I think that's really, like it's cute, but I don't do it for that, right? And But on the outside, someone listening today might do that and go, oh, but she's all through the media. How can she sit here going, you don't do it for that when she's clearly very much um, her face is out there. So let, 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 and I don't think yeah. you need this help, but let me help you with that. Yeah. Because um, when I look at, um, when I think about myself and what I'm doing, you know, I want to get onto many stages and I want to get into media outlets, not because of, not for me, because I know what I've been through is important for me to be able to pass on. That's why I do this show. That's why I was going to say to you, one of the other things that is exciting me about this show, and I've actually got Michael saying this is bloody awesome, and I agree. The I reason why... Michael, thank you. <laughs> uh, Michael, Michael's got a, uh, a... He has a TV show called Forging Excalibur. I don't know if he's going to have females yet, but um, <laughs> we'll see how we go. It's mainly a, a male thing. But anyway, um, but the point I wanted to get at is this is why I started this this podcast. In fact... I initially started Mastering Success as a webinar series and it was just to help people to see that, you know what, they could actually do some of this stuff as well. They could actually, you know, they could do some of these amazing things if they just made a decision and and they got some ideas and they could take away the ideas. That's why I started it and it was really, I didn't have any intentions of doing a podcast. Someone pushed me into doing this, said, come on, you got to do it. I was like, oh, really? Oh, okay. It would have seemed like a mountain at the time, right, because you would have been like, whoa, and it's probably because you didn't know maybe the steps to take. Once you get into it, you go, oh, is that it? Yeah. Um, okay, that's it. Okay. That wasn't so bad, right? I get it. I, I, get, I, I um, appreciate what you're saying. I do. Um, so, so, getting, so getting on stages and, and being seen, like, yeah, especially because you're thinking, well, it's not about me. I'm only doing these things because I want to help all these people in, in these tragic situations. But yeah. by doing that and by getting recognition, it means that it's easier for you to go and say, hey, I'm going to this next place and yeah. I really need some support. Can you get behind it? Can you share it? Can you donate? Can whatever, you know? And so suddenly um, people are reaching out going, Helen, can you be our ambassador for our organisation and can you come to Kenya? So now I'm the ambassador uh, for 2020, which was the International Year of the Nurse and Midwife, uh, with World Youth International. And um, I went to Kenya and volunteered for six you know, um, a great organisation to be involved with. And they take, you know, nurses over on this nursing program. So you can be a student nurse as well, that kind of thing. And I'm like, really, me? You want me to be your ambassador? Like, do you know what crazy stuff I get up to outside? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure it's not that crazy. Um, Oh, no, should I have my photo taken? I'm not sure because now it's a bigger picture, right? I'm representing, so... Yeah. yeah, and and that and that I'm sure has its own challenges attached to that as well. You know, where it it then becomes, um, you know, it it starts to then, as you just said, like you're thinking about, well, how am I showing up? What am I doing? You know, I don't want to be caught off guard. <laughs> I got to make sure I'm saying the right things. You know, so it has a, it has its own challenges and complications attached to it. But it reminds me 
and you know that I obviously like superheroes, especially Superman, yeah. but it reminds me of a, of a statement, and I can't remember whether it's Marvel or DC, but they say with, I think it's Marvel, with, um, with great power comes great responsibility. And, uh, and I've heard Jim Quick, who's an amazing memory person, switch it around to say with, um, with great power, no, with great, with great responsibility comes great power. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and I think that that's the point, right, is that when I think about um, the meaning of life, this is just my own thought on it, when I think about the meaning of life for anyone, you will live a more meaningful life if you actually do things to help the greater good, if you do things to help more people out there who perhaps don't have as easy as easy a life as you do. And I think, yeah. who was it? I heard someone the other day, might have actually been Jack Canfield, saying that in the world, I think if you have running water, you are like in the top 10% of the world because a lot of people don't even have running water. And I've seen it. I've seen it firsthand and I think that's why I have that drive to, I don't know, I come back from these um, places where people are so vulnerable and they really have nothing and yet they're just so happy. And I'm like, how, you know, I come back here to the Gold Coast, which is so superficial and um, I don't know how to describe it, but people were really worried and, and, and focused so much on negative and getting caught up in this stuff. I'm like, really, guys, let that go because it's just not a thing. With this thing that you're stressing over, in the scheme of things, it's really nothing, right? You yeah. have, you turn a tap on in you. And I think um, seeing so much from a young age as a paramedic, as a nurse, um, is why I think I know that life can be taken away from you. And I remember being maybe around 30, 28, 30, and I said to my mum, you know, I can't remember which country I was going. I was going off somewhere and she's cringing, going, Helen, can't you just go to a normal country that's safe and doesn't have a coup happening at the moment with the army out there, you know, just go somewhere normal. And I'm like, mum, you know, if I die tomorrow, I'm actually, I actually feel like I've, yes, I haven't, I'm not married and don't have children, but that's the only thing that's kind of missing. Apart from that, like I've done every, like I've ticked that many things off a bucket list you, you wouldn't believe, you know, and um, and it is, it's exactly what you were saying before. You, you overcome that fear. You've got this thing that you would love to do and you look at it and go, oh, you know, scared of swimming, not scared of swimming, but I grew up on an island where there was sharks and crocodiles and you just wouldn't get in the water. And, it, you know, there was a point where I was stuck in an island on Fiji having a break going, I'm going to overcome this. There's a scuba diving course. And I'm going to go and do that scuba diving course. And what is this fear of being eaten by a shark, you know? And so now I've, you know, just tackling those fears head on. Um, yeah. It's not, it's not the answer to everything, but I've just found that like standing in the elevator or like getting that opportunity at breakfast, you know, um, just take it, take it and run with it. Cause you don't know what's the worst thing that's going to happen. Um, I love that. I think that's that's the probably the, the best bit of advice you could give anyone is is just to, you're going to be given opportunities, but you've got this this much time to make a decision, or or yeah. you might miss out. And, and it, it could be that. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go. No, I was just going to use your quote. It could be the it could be the opportunity of a lifetime. You know, you just yeah. never know. That once in a once in a lifetime opportunity. Once in a lifetime. Now it'll be middle of the night, and I get these messages on social media going, Helen. I saw your TED. People I don't know, random people from around the world going, Helen, I saw your TEDx and 
because it's a basic TEDx, right? It is not something that you're going to watch and go, wow, they're like, it is so basic, but it's just reminding you how, you know, the basic things you can do for humanity. And these student nurses are reaching out going, Helen, um, I wanted to quit or I wanted to, um, you know, for whatever challenge that they've got. And now after I've listened to you, I feel that I want to keep going. I've had Aboriginal girls out in remote areas contact me because I, I got up on stage in Alice Springs and had a chat to some college girls. And they're like, Helen, I've, I've been on a, on a journey of wins ever since I heard you talk and you've inspired me to finish school now and to keep going. And, you know, yes, I was a girl from a remote area. I'm not Indigenous, but they could relate that, you know, just because you come from a, or a small remote area where you don't have the opportunities that other kids have doesn't mean you can't come out and do some great things with that, you know. Just got to find that voice and find that way of um, of doing it, I suppose, um, and taking those opportunities. So for those Aboriginal girls that reached out, you know, some college people took them under their wing and the, rather than wasting that opportunity, they're taking it. So for me, that's a win, you know. Um, yeah. It's a huge win. It's a huge win. Going. Yeah. Yeah, it's a huge win, and I think um, that's that's what I was trying to get at with when we actually take those. Oh, can you hear me? Okay, maybe my microphone. I can hear. You. I can hear. Oh, good. Yeah. Maybe it's my own feedback, um, but I think it's the it's the it's that understanding that um, you know those 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 times that we I just <laughs> just confused myself. Those times that we uh, that we think I don't know whether I can do that or that we get an opportunity which we think, who am I to be able to do that? Who am I to get up on that stage and talk? But if you just impact one person, as you're stating, as more than one, but if you impact one person and they're able to go in and do amazing things, well, you've done your job. I've had that a lot with the who am I? Why, why me? Why they want me to do this? Why did someone email me at midnight? I've had people go, Helen, how do I do a TEDx talk? And I'm like... I don't know, if you do something great out there, someone will approach you and they'll ask you to do one because you, it's invite only, right? I didn't know all this. So in the middle of the night I get an email going, Helen, can you come and do this TEDx? We think you are inspiring and we want you to. And I was like, wow, okay. Um, wow, I never thought I'd. That was another scary moment. Do you say yes or no? Well, yeah, it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, right? So, um I don't know. It's crazy, crazy how things work out. (laughs) But can I just say, and this is for you now, you've given me some lessons today, Uh, going back to Kilimanjaro, because this is another story that I tell and I'll keep it brief because I know we don't have long, but uh, I was out bush working in a remote community and there was this fit guy called Marcus and he would go, he's probably watching today, but he would go running every day and he would run marathons. He was, you know, those uber, uber fit, actually very like yourself, actually. Um, (laughs) People. And he would, you know, I said to him, Marcus, what are you training for? I said, I want to do Kilimanjaro. Now, I had volunteered, uh, I had been to Africa, and the one thing I didn't get a chance on this long list of things that I was like, if I'm going to Africa, I'm going to do all this, you know, uh, was climb Kilimanjaro. And I went, do you reckon I could do it? And he said to me, oh, it was German, so I can't even fake the German accent, but he said, Helen, don't be ridiculous. You're too fat and too unfit. You couldn't possibly climb Kilimanjaro. So I took his word for it. I got another knockback or I got another shutdown where someone's told me, no, you can't do it. But that didn't sit well with me and I'm sitting there going, hang on, that. But I don't know for myself. I've actually put that to him and he said no, but I don't know for myself. I need to figure that out. And it took me about five years to go, you know what, I've got 10 days off. 
what's the worst thing that's going to happen? I'll get there, I'll lose the five grand because it was expensive to, to book the trip and go. I get halfway up there or two days in and I'm like, I don't make it. So what? I've announced it on Facebook. I've, I'll de-announce it or unannounce it and just, sorry, I didn't make it up the mountain. What, what my ego? So I went there and there's a saying, and this is my story for you, because Marcus went and he got halfway up that mountain and he got altitude sickness and didn't make it. So he came back to the same community and he said, oh, mate, I didn't make it up the mountain. Again, I went, if he didn't make it and he runs marathons, how am I going to do it? He's already told me I can't. Now I've seen it for myself because physically he couldn't. Uh, he did a second attempt, didn't make it. And so in that five-year period, I've gone, yeah, no, nah, there's no way I'm even going to attempt that now. Still didn't sit with me, though, until I figure it out for myself, until I try, I'm not going to sit with the no, you know, that you can't do it because um, I haven't proven it to myself. So I had that 10 days off and I went over. And um, there's a saying in, in Tanzania, when you're climbing the mountain, pole pole, which means slowly, slowly. And it actually paid off that I was a bit fatter and a bit slower because that meant I just, and I was by myself. I didn't have a team of people around me or friends that I had to compete with. And I just did my own pace. And um, there's a photo of me at the summit of Mount Kilimanjaro. And in my head, I was thinking of Marcus and it was a bit of an FU Marcus. <laughs> sure. And I made sure that photo was my, my Facebook profile for at least four or five years just to make sure that he saw that right <laughs> so it's just like how dare you tell me that I can't do something so I'm telling that for you Brett it is doable um do you know yeah. do you know I'll, I'll, I'll tell you something on that um uh one of my friends he uh he ended up going and helping to build a, an orphanage in Tanzania and at the end of it he was going to climb Kilimanjaro um, he actually got me into climbing, climbing here in Australia, and he was going to climb it. And then the day that my son was being born, I was driving to the airport, uh, to the airport. I was driving past the airport, but I was driving to uh, the hospital to go and see my newborn son. And I received a phone call from his brother saying, Christian has just died. And so he never got to climb the mountain. And it was, as you can imagine, it was a pretty traumatic experience for me to receive as I'm heading to go and see my newborn son that took 12 years to come about with my partner at the time. Um, and he and his, the brother who called me, Julian, and his dad, they actually climbed Kilimanjaro with his ashes. And so wow. his ashes are up there. So guess who has to go up there to go and visit Christian? Yeah. Um, so I'm definitely going to do it and I just have to make a decision when it's going to be. Maybe oh. my friend Michael might come with me <laughs> or maybe you can come again. I'll come again. But, yeah, that last 1,000 metres, what a killer. But I'll do it again. I can't believe I'm saying this, but, okay, I'll rise to the challenge. And if you guys want to do base camp, I listen, I dropped 15 kilos doing Everest base camp, you know, because all you're eating is dull button, all these vegetables, and you're, you're climbing at altitude, you're hiking at altitude. So, And I say to people, look, if I can do it, you can do it, trust me, because I yeah. am not, you know, uh, yeah. And that's another thing is if I can do it, you can. Do you know we're going to end it here? And I'm glad. Yeah. I'm glad we're ending it on. If you can do, if I can do it, you can do it. Because that's exactly why I'm doing what I'm doing. Because yeah. I think if <laughs> if I can go 43 years until I finally figure out how to 
wake up to myself and how to, like you said at the start, stop being a victim and yeah. actually start living a, living a life of purpose. If I can do it, you can do it, you know, because I had so many, I said, I had such poor habitual behaviour, you know, self-sabotage, hiding oh, things. Yeah. I've got like, I've got zero Coke for breakfast. I mean, come on. <laughs> Oh no, you're ruining the picture. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, but the the point is, yeah, and this is why I do the show. Like, it doesn't matter where you are, who you are, what you've done, where you've come from, what colour you are, what sex you are. You know, you if you just have to make a decision that you know what, I'm going to do something. I'm going to do something, and it might be something as simple as <laughs> as simple as simple as climbing a mountain. <laughs> but whatever, whatever it is, you know, just that make a decision. Simple. The concept is simple. So yeah, just yeah. step by step and you surprise yourself. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Hey, um, loved, loved this interview. Probably one of my best or one of, oh. not my best, but your best, you know, but it was, it was great having you on and really appreciate you. And I know you've got a few more shows that you're going to be doing. Um, Michael said he's in, looks like we're climbing Kilimanjaro. Uh, <laughs> Oh, maybe Nibby wants to do it too. Anyway, um, really grateful for you. Um, you know, we need to catch up more, uh, not yes. just and wait till we do a bloody show. I want to meet Wendy. She sounds awesome. If she created uh, um, yeah. Actually, you know what? I'm going to put it out there because Wendy's trying to figure out, she's been having some really amazing breakthroughs um, at an older age. <laughs> I would tell you her age. But she, you know, she's having incredible breakthroughs for herself and she's been through a lot and she's trying to figure out something to do. So maybe this might be her opportunity to connect with you and you might have an idea yeah. for it. Come and volunteer with me. We'll do a session or something. Yeah, we'll go somewhere, somewhere safe and give back to the community. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's good. It feels good when you do that. Uh, she would love it. I bet she's, just, she's yeah. getting excited right now. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you. Thanks, Helen. Bye, Love you heaps. Thank you so much. Love you too, mate. Bye-bye. And as they say in show business, that's a wrap. Well, I truly hope you enjoyed this episode and remember to subscribe and click on the bell to stay tuned for the next installment. And remember, as I always say, leave at least one person today with the impression of increase. That means have them leaving you feeling better off having spent time with you than not. And hopefully that's exactly what I've done with you today.